<clears throat> We're coming again to the concluding part of last week's message on the church as a flock. We've been looking in this mini-series on, on metaphors or pictures of the church in the New Testament scriptures. And of course, all of the pictures that we've looked at, we have discovered that they, they find their roots in the Old Testament scriptures. And last Sabbath day, we, we looked at John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 11, the words of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. And then the end of the verse says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So the sheep and the shepherd go together, and they always go together. And I think that's something that we, we, we need to emphasize. Where you have the saviour, you have the sheep, collective. And oftentimes today, we so individualize things that we forget that we are a collective noun. We are sheep, we are together. Sometimes people said to me, I, I don't need to go to church and I don't need to join with other Christians. I, as my faith is just a personal faith. But Jesus died for the sheep collectively. He just didn't die for you as one person. He died for the sheep collectively. He died for the flock. And he loves his flock. And so that's why we spent last week looking at the sheep in relationship to the, 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 the shepherd. The good shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep. John's Gospel chapter 10 and verse 11. And I couldn't emphasize that enough. That the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows your need today. He knows all about you. And I'm not going to uh, go back over all that we said last week again. Now come to the second text. There's three main texts in the New Testament that speak to us about Christ as the shepherd. And the second text that we read last week and emphasized to you is found in Hebrews chapter 13. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 13. This great benediction that's often pronounced at the end of the worship of God. Hebrews 13 verse 20 and verse 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do as well, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 20 emphasizes that the Lord Jesus is the great shepherd of his sheep. So here we have the great shepherd, and this time it is in reference to the resurrection and the service of the flock. The resurrection and the service of the flock. This shepherd is great because he is a risen shepherd. He is risen from the dead. And the risen saviour, this text tells me, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, verse 21 assures us, he makes us perfect. Now today, you might be like me, and you might feel all of your imperfections, your flaws and your feelings, uh, and you don't have anybody to tell you of your imperfections because you're conscious of them. I'm more conscious of them than anybody else. But it tells me here that this great shepherd who has risen from the dead, he makes us perfect. It is Christ who makes us perfect. 
We stand complete in him before almighty God through the blood of the everlasting covenant. We stand complete in him. We are perfect in him. And the thought is that he equips us to do God's will and to do God's service. I think it's a wonderful encouragement for us all today that through the blood of the everlasting covenant, through covenant grace and through redeeming blood, the people of God are enabled to do his will and his bidding. The great shepherd, he not only died for the sheep, and that's a wonderful thought in and of itself, but the great shepherd rose again for the sheep. And he ever lives to work on behalf of the sheep and to intercede for them. So the apostle in this closing benediction, he's addressing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's reminding the saints, these Hebrew Christians that are scattered abroad of the great shepherd's power and enabling grace. The risen shepherd, he lives in the hearts of his sheep. That's such an encouragement for us. He is my refuge. He is my refuge in each deep distress. The Lord my strength and glorious righteousness. Through floods and flames he leads me safely on and daily makes his sovereign goodness known. It is in the light of this truth that we can say today because we have arisen living, exalted Saviour who's reigning and interceding for his flock on high that the church can never be destroyed. It can never be destroyed. It can be attacked. It can be scattered. But it can never be destroyed. The flock of Christ will never be destroyed. We are often described <coughs> as lambs, sheep surrounded by a pack of wolves. And that's where we are in the world. We're just like that little lamb and we're surrounded by a pack of wolves ready to jump, ready to devour, ready to bring the flock to an end. But there's victory. And there's victory because of one thought, one truth, because Jesus not only died for the sheep, he rose again for the sheep. And he's reigning in heaven for you and me today. And he's living for you and me today. And he's praying and he's interceding. And if you have made one step of progress in the past week in your Christian faith, it's because you have a risen Savior. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The work of grace in regeneration, that salvation, Jesus says he's going to complete it. That's what it means. He hath begun the good work. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Christ is the, the great shepherd. He's constantly caring for his flock. And he's carrying them home to heaven. Oftentimes we feel foot weary on the journey. And when we're foot weary and when we're sore and distressed, then he takes those lambs, those sheep up in his arms and he carries them. We get that picture in Luke chapter 15. We'll not go there now for sake of time. 
But when the shepherd went out to seek the one that was lost, remember last week we looked at the, the numbers. Flocks were numbered by their hundreds. So here was a flock, it was a perfect flock, there was a hundred sheep in it, but one had strayed. And that shepherd could not rest. That shepherd could not be at ease until that one was brought back again. And when he went and he found that one, he put that one on his shoulders and brought that one back again. He's risen and he's alive for his people. And through his work and intercession, the flock is multiplying. And all for whom the good shepherd died are being brought in. I rejoice as we think back of our own experience in the past year, all the different ways that God has led us and guided us and directed us individually, collectively, all the dangers you've been in, all the places you've been in. We just want to acknowledge again today we had a great shepherd and he was looking after us go with me to Peter first Peter chapter 5 <clears throat> here we have the chief shepherd in verse 4 verse 1 to 5 go together there's a whole section in this final chapter of, of Peter, it's an amazing passage of scripture. It's a series in and of its own. But first Peter chapter five, <clears throat> verse one to four, not only brings us to the chief shepherd, but it brings us to the shepherding of the flock. So how does he look after the flock? Verse two tells us as under shepherds, because remember, Peter is addressing himself. He said, the elders which are among you, verse 1, I exhort to him also an elder. Peter was not the Pope. He never was the Pope. Peter was just an elder. I'm just an elder, like other elders in the church. That's what he said. I'm just an elder. And what are the elders? Well, they are the ones who look after the flock in our own understanding of it. We have the ruling elders. We have the teaching elder. The teaching elder is the one who ministers in the word and doctrine. The ruling elders are those who rule with the teaching elder to look after the flock. And how does uh, Peter charge? And this is a charge that's given to the church of Jesus Christ. This is how the church is shepherded. Because this chief shepherd, he has under shepherds and he has given them charges of of various localities and that's why we are Presbyterian because we believe in the rule of the elder in the church and it's the rule of the elder in the church that God uses to shepherd the flock and he says in verse 2 feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind when I was in Kenya earlier on this year at the, the pastor's conference, one of the men got up and he said to those that were gathered in, he said, isn't it great to be part of the blood-washed flock of Christ? And everybody said, amen. And I, I, I said, amen also. It's great to be part of the blood-washed flock of Christ. And then this is the, the charge to those that are the under-shepherds. They are to feed the flock. Feed the flock. The word feed 
literally means to act as shepherds to the flock. Elders are, are represented here as the shepherds. And, and some have taken the feeding to refer just to the impartation of knowledge and instruction to the flock. That's vital. Knowledge is power. The, the ancient prophet said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge is power. But the shepherd is, is much more than just someone who imparts knowledge and teaches. He has to strengthen the diseased. He has to apply the healing balm to the sick. He has to bind up the broken. He has to seek the backslider. He has to go after that which is lost. It's all included. Feed. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. Now instruction is important. I, I couldn't emphasize that enough to you. The, the shepherd has to find nourishment for the flock. When they meet, especially on the public worship on the Sabbath days, every member has to find food. I, I would say it's a wasted Sabbath if you, don't, if you come to this meeting house and don't find food for your soul. There are some who can only take milk. There are some who can take strong meat. There are some who could graze all day. There are some who can just graze for a short time. There are older people who have to be fed. There are children who have to be addressed. I often think amongst our churches we forget every Sabbath day we have little lives in our midst. And that's why on a regular basis I, I do try to address myself just directly to the children and, and speak to them directly. And that is why we do give so much time and place because it's important because Peter was taught this more than anybody else. Remember in John's Gospel chapter 21 when Jesus was testing his love for the master. Jesus said to, to Peter, Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to Peter, well then feed my lambs. Feed the lambs. Lambs can't take what growing up sheep can take. So you have to feed the lambs. And if my words are too big that the lambs can't understand, then I have to change my words. And then he said, feed my sheep. What comes first is, is amazing. What comes first? It's the lambs, then the sheep. It's the lambs and then the sheep. Because, brethren and sisters, and we know it all too well, any congregation where there is no lambs is a dying congregation. Look after the lambs. We read about the fellowship of the believers in Acts 2.42, that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued, lovely, they continued, don't give up. And what did they continue in? In the apostles' doctrine. The word doctrine is just teaching. They continued in the teaching of the apostles. They continued in the teaching of what? The New Testament. Because in the New Testament we have the writings of the apostles. So now today, as a New Testament church, we have the finished canon of Scripture. And what are we to continue doing? Just going to the book of God. Just going to the writings of the apostles, the prophets, the law of God. We have nothing else to give you. We have nothing else to give you. 
I think it's a, a symptom of the day and age that we live in when we have people and they're always craving after something new, something new. Somebody comes along and they says something new and the whole country flocks after that person. It doesn't matter if it's a lot of nonsense that he's talking about. Just because he says something new, I do not profess to have anything new to say. I just go to this book and I try to present it new and fresh unapplicable but I can't come to you and say I've got some new revelation no this is the old word the old book the teaching of the apostles doctrine the shepherd has to prevent present a nourishment nourishment that is wholesome but nourishment also that is palatable palatable this shepherding is not only done in, in a public it's done privately. The shepherd has to visit. Over the past year I've had opportunity to visit many of your homes. Not all of your homes, but many of your homes. And often times people think the, the minister's visit just a nice social occasion. It can be, I hope it is. But it's also a time when we open the word of God and uh, apply the word of God to the situation we find ourselves in. It's well been said, if the church is the school of Christ, the elders are the teachers. Knowledge is necessary. If there's no knowledge, we're all in trouble. It is the elders' role to impart knowledge, and knowledge is all important. We have a solemn duty of feeding the flock. We have a solemn duty of praying for the flock. The apostles said in Acts 6, they wouldn't, leave, they wouldn't leave praying and teaching to serve tables. Praying for the flock. And then inversely, the apostles asked the flock to pray for them. Because we read in Romans 15 and 30, those great words of Paul that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Here is the, the shepherd and he's asking, would you pray for me? Would you pray for the shepherd? Verse 2 teaches that the shepherd not only feeds the flock, but he leads the flock. The oversight that is referred to here means superintending and governing the flock. So the faithful shepherd must watch. He must watch his sheep. He must not allow the wolves to enter in. You know the wolves are all round about us. Those spiritual wolves. And they want to come in. And they want to devour. They want to devour. There's nothing the devil would like more. Than to enter into this little fellowship here and on along. And to devour the flock. To destroy the flock. Nor must he allow the goats to mix in with the sheep. Christ has given to his under shepherds the keys of the kingdom. And the keys of the kingdom are given in order to secure and to limit those that are admitted. A tough part of the superintendent is to make sure that the sheep pay attention to the instruction. That's why years ago in churches they had church wardens and the church warden had a big long wand and he walked up and down the, 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 the aisle in the congregation and if he saw somebody sleeping he would take the wand and he would prod them 
That is why in many churches years ago, they had stocks as they came into the churchyard and people who had failed to attend on the Sabbath or who had fallen foul of, of, of church discipline, they were put in the stocks. Now, we don't have stocks today. And we don't have somebody walking up and down with a big stick to prod you if you fall asleep. But we do have spiritual discipline. And we must never be afraid to apply it. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. It says, remember them who have the rule over you. Who have the rule over you. You have the superintendence of you. So that is why church membership is important. I'm sorry to come back to it again. Because the Bible never leaves it. Remember them who have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Verse 17, verse 24, says the same thing. Now sadly, sometimes this necessitates putting the wolf out, who's dressed up like a sheep. Yeah, that happens. People come in amongst the flock of Jesus Christ and they really are wolves dressed up as sheep. They've never been changed. They're trying to pretend they're something that they're not. Such have to be exposed for their own good and for the good of the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone summarized this verse and I love the way he summarized it. It's very beautiful. The shepherd has to graze the sheep the shepherd has to guide the sheep. The shepherd has to guard the sheep. And it should be done in a willing manner, not by constraint. Sometimes we, we have taken this to mean you can't coerce people in the, the congregation to do things. Well, neither you can. But neither can you coerce a man to be a shepherd. The shepherding has to be done willingly. Willingly. Nor... Is it to be done out of self-interest? Because reference is made here uh, for filthy looker. For filthy looker. Something that is unwarranted. Support that is unwarranted. Being in the work of God for the looker, for the money, for the financial inducements that, that are given. Again, uh, Paul took this up, 1 Timothy 3 and 3. He said the elder is not to be given to wine. He's not to be a striker. He's not greedy of filthy looker. These are all solemn truths. We live in the age of celebrity pastors on satellite TV. I've gone into some homes around Morn and people are listening to them. Don't think that this is something in America. This is something that people in Morn are tuning into and they can tell me about, oh, this is a great preacher and this is a great preacher. But they wouldn't know doctrinally what that person believed or, or what they they. they they thought or, or what their views were on certain things. A lot of them come from prosperity gospel type of background. So if you really believe God will make you prosperous. If you really believe God will give you money. You'll be healthy and happy all the days of your life. Well brethren and sisters that's another gospel. That's not the gospel of the New Testament. Paul said... I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. 
There's not many of those TV preachers could say that. Verse 3 teaches that this shepherding is to be done humbly. Those shepherds are rulers. We're not lords. We're not lords over people's consciences. We put our opening text here. Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. He's Lord of your conscience. He's Lord of the flock. The church does not belong to the teaching elder. Do you know it's the other way around? The elder belongs to the flock. It's the other way around. The shepherd belongs to the flock. He is to shepherd as being an example. He's to lead by example. The chief shepherd is our supreme example. Remember, I'll not go there, but in, in John 13, remember how at the, in the preparation for the Passover, Jesus, he took the towel and the basin and he was going to wash the feet of the disciples. Jesus took the servant's place and he was going to wash the feet of the disciples. And he said to them in verse 12 to verse 15, I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. It doesn't mean to say we have to wash each other's feet. You'll be glad to know that. But we're called to serve. We're called to serve. That's the teaching. And there's a day of reward coming. Verse 4 reminds us that the chief shepherd is coming back again. Jesus is coming back again. We know he's spiritually with us by the Holy Ghost. He's ever present. But he's coming back physically. He's coming back bodily. And he's going to be manifested amongst his flock again. We read at the ascension that they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. And the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This is the blessed hope. We're going to see him come back. And he's coming back to reward his people, to reward his flock, to reward his shepherds. <clears throat> and the highest reward, I think, for all the shepherds is to see those that they labored amongst persevere to the end of the journey. That's how Paul put it in Philippians 4 and 1. He said to the believers that they were his joy and crown. We read here about the, the chief shepherd. He said, when Neil appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The chiefest glory that any shepherd could have is that even one sheep persevered and was blessed and was encouraged and finished the journey because of his shepherding. On that day, if the faithful will be rewarded, the unfaithful will be judged. We long to hear the well done. But what about those awful words, depart from me? Men and women who today supposedly bless sin in the Lord's name are not faithful shepherds. It's very tragic in the past week <coughs> to learn that the Church of England, the established church over which our king is the, the temporal head, will allow clergy to use the regular public worship services 
to bless those in same-sex partnerships from today. Not everyone within Anglicanism, of course, agrees with that. And there's a great divide amongst many. The presiding bishop of the Anglican Network in Europe, the Reverend Andy Lines, <clears throat> he said this, that the House of Bishops has ignored the pleas of the majority of the Anglican Communion. Nearly half of the clergy and the laity in the General Senate. <coughs> and this is what he said. He spoke of the deep sadness at the Senate's continuing rejection of Scripture. And promised to stand with faithful Christians within the church. Well you know the time has come brethren and sisters. Long since past for faithful Christians to leave Anglicanism. Not remain within it. A faithful shepherd will not bless in the Lord's name. That which the Lord's word has decreed to be sin. He's coming back. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he's going to give out the crown of glory that fadeth not away. There's no shepherding compared with the shepherding of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our time is gone. The response of the flock is in verse 5 and onward. How should the flock respond? Well, they're to submit. The injunction covers all. They're to be clothed with humility. And those who submit, God gives them grace. God gives grace to the humble. We sang that last hymn deliberately in that very favorite hymn, I Have a Shepherd. It said, when labor's ended and the journey's done, then he'll lead me safely to my home. And there I shall dwell in rapture sure and sweet with all the loved ones gathered round his feet. Following Jesus ever day by day, Nothing can harm me when Jesus leads the way. Darkness or sunshine, whatever befall, Jesus the shepherd is my all in all. Is he your shepherd today? Can you say that honestly? He's my all in all. Is he your saviour, your shepherd, your all in all? If he's not, make him your shepherd, your saviour, your all in all.